Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family by using real estate as your vehicle. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host Lolita, also joined by Kyle. On the show today, we have Whitney Sewell joining us. Whitney, great to have you here. How's it going? It's going great. I'm, I'm honored to be on your show. Thanks for being here. Before we get started, here's a little bit about Whitney. He's the founder and operator of LifeBridge Capital LLC, who began his real estate investing career back in 2009. His company works with accredited investors, helping them improve their investment returns. Whitney has always had a passion for both real estate and helping others, and LifeBridge Capital affords him the opportunity to do both. Whitney is also the host of the top-rated podcast, The Real Estate Syndication Show, where he he interviews the most successful entrepreneurs in the real estate syndication business. So we're real excited to learn about the ins and outs of your business and how that has impacted your life. So before we start, Whitney, could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Sure. So currently, well, a little more about myself. That's a, that's a big question. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, um, you know, I, I guess a little bit about my background is uh, I went in the military and, and uh, spent a year overseas, come back and, and thought that the only thing I was qualified to do was be a police officer. And so I, I did that. Become a, I worked, started working for uh, Kentucky State Police, and then and uh, figured found out real fast that uh, there was no money to be made, and and uh, uh, I really enjoyed it. I would have almost done it for free when I got hired, uh, but uh, but pretty soon, uh, you know, you get married, then uh, you know things change, right? Uh, but uh, found out real soon that people were retiring, making less than forty thousand a year, and so you know I had to find something else, and then thing, in came real estate. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that uh, through some questions, maybe about, you know, what I did then, but uh, it got into multifamily right away, but small multifamily. And then, uh, you know, not too long ago or the last couple of years, I learned about uh, syndication and and what that was and and how that uh, uh, is a a lot different business than what I was doing at the time and why I wanted to pursue it. And so that's what I'm doing now. Yeah, great. So can you uh, go ahead and talk about how you did get started into real estate and then also kind of where you're at now in your in your life? Sure. So so at that time, I purchased a, a couple triplexes and we learned a lot the hard way. We, uh, you know, a lot of hard lessons that were self-taught there. Um, somehow we we got into that property and I, I, a little looking back, I don't even know how we got a loan. Uh, you know, for, for those uh, properties at that time, but somehow we made it happen. And, and uh, I ended up uh, taking another position uh, or uh, uh, leaving the state place and taking a, a federal position. So we had to move. And so shortly after sold those properties and bought and sold a few other properties and up to like a 15 unit, which I still have. Um, but, you know, doing that, like the 15 unit and then uh, looking for more properties, you know, duplexes, triplexes, things like that, or single family homes. Uh, I just decided that, uh, you know, it was just really hard to scale, you know, like you've heard and, and, but I started learning about this thing called syndication. I don't even remember where I heard of that first, but, you know, didn't have a clue what that was. And I find that to be very common. Nobody, you know, even people that's been in, investing in real estate for 30 years have never heard this term. 
And, and so, and, and I don't think it was used, you know, 20 years ago, like it is now, um, or, or as often. Um, so, but anyway, so started educating myself, started, uh, you know, learning what that meant. I really liked the business model of syndication. I, I really liked being able to uh, build teams and, uh, and do, be able to do larger deals and a lot more people benefit from the deal and, uh, and just the scalability of it. And so that's, that's where I'm at now, obviously, with podcasts and raising capital and, and uh, trying to do our own deals now through, through syndication. One of the things you often hear from other sponsors about today's market is it's, you know, there are no deals out there. They're too expensive. It's too competitive. How are you able to find the deals that you're taking down? So it's, uh, I think it's a lot about uh, patience at the moment, you know, and, and as far as it, uh, um, you know, being too expensive, that's correct. <laughs> you know, everything is overpriced as we all know. And, uh, and it is competitive, but it's extremely competitive. And, and so, you know, patience and looking at lots of deals. So, you know, I hear it more and more time, you know, more and more often now that people are analyzing, you know, not just 50, but maybe a hundred or, you know, 200 deals, you know, before they find something that's even worth pursuing, you know, or maybe they, they expect to maybe close two deals this year or three where, the, where maybe they would have closed six or eight before, you know, and so it's just being patient. And are there still deals out there? Of, of course. I talked to a guy earlier today that's, I mean, he has hundreds and hundreds of units under contract all over the country. I mean, at the moment, I mean, all at one time. And, and uh, you know, so there's people finding deals, um, but they're, they're having to be pretty creative and they're having to be very patient. What are you doing to be creative to find some of those deals? So, you know, either, either some direct mail or uh, really working on relationships with brokers, which, um, you know, I've heard all kinds of mixed opinions about whether it's broker relations or whether we should be going direct to seller. And I've, I've seen people have success with both. Um, you know, I, I don't think right now is a, a time where you're going to go start a brand new relationship with a broker and just obviously immediately get deals in this market. Um, you will have, should have already had that relationship built, but, uh, but hopefully you're creating relationships with, with other sellers, you know, also in the market that you're looking at. Yeah. I mean, any way that you can kind of get a deal is important, right? So I think it's important to do it from multiple avenues. So of course, so you've chosen to mainly be a capital raiser for other operators, if I'm not mistaken, why'd you choose this route uh, versus being a, a direct sponsor? So, Ultimately, uh, being a, uh, someone that can raise capital, is, uh, I mean, it's a very important part of this business, right? I mean, without the capital, you have no deal. You know, you can't close, right? And so you're, you become very, you quickly, you become a very important part of, of that deal and of that team, right? If you can raise capital. And so that, that initially was just a way for me to get into the business and for me to build a track record and, and for me to learn more about the business and actually do some deals with, uh, with a team that's a lot more experienced. And so that was my plan or not my long-term plan, but just initially to get started. And so, you know, we've done a few deals now and we've closed, uh, but with other teams, you know, as far as bringing capital uh, to those deals. And, and so it does lots of things for the business though. It, it uh, not only allows my investors to, ha to see some really good opportunities to invest in, but they see me being a part of them. They see, you know, we get to build our relationship and, and they get to see me communicating with them and us just uh, growing in that relationship and then, you know, gaining trust in me and, and just my experience. And then, uh, you know, also, uh, just uh, being a part of someone else's deal. I mean, you are just exposed to so many more things than you would otherwise, you know, and so, uh, you know, meeting, meeting their team members, learning about how they operate. Uh, I mean, there are just so many ways that are so valuable in growing your business long-term. How did you initially vet those sponsors and create that relationship with them? 
so uh, initially, uh, you know, it was a mentor, you know, and then, and so somebody that I had known for quite a few months and built a relationship with and, and just already had this track record that I uh, respected, you know, long before, long before we even met, but then, you know, the more I met and learned about them and, and really, um, I mean, that was me personally with, with this specific sponsor. Um, but, you know, anytime that you're vetting a sponsor or somebody you're going to partner with, it's going to be their track record, you know, and, ha- you know, and ask about a deal that didn't go as well as planned and how it was handled or maybe for some references and of other investors that, that you could speak with or other, uh, maybe other capital raisers if you're planning to be a capital raiser that's partnering. Because uh, any, any deal can look really good on paper, but, uh, and it may be a fantastic opportunity. However, if, if they're not a good sponsor, if they're not a good operator, it doesn't matter how good the deal is. Yeah. So it looks like you only take on accredited investors after I did some research on your website. Is there a reason you do this versus taking on both accredited and sophisticated? So I will, I will begin to take some uh, sophisticated investors. Um, But so initially it, it depends on if you're, if you're raising capital and you're partnering with someone else, it depends on what they're taking, right? Or if they will, if they will not take any non-accredited or sophisticated, then, then, you know, you can't either. Um, if you're partnering with them, raising capital and, and becoming part of their team. Uh, but, you know, and, I, and I've heard both sides of that story as well. And, and a lot of people will not uh, take non-accredited just because of the sophistication level and just the, um, it's just a different type of investor. You know, if you're taking their last, $25,000, you know, I mean, that's, um, that's a lot, it's a lot more responsibility. I feel than it, than somebody that's been investing for a long time. They have a larger wealth possibly, you know, and, and, and it's a, if that's a very small percentage of, of their wealth, um, it's a lot different, you know, and it's just a lot different relationship over the long term of that property. Somebody that's giving you their last, you know, twenty twenty five thousand $25,000 are much more likely to need it before you exit that property. And, and it just, it causes a lot more problems, right? And that's not something I want to wish on that person or, you know, I want, I want to help them through that and understand, help them to understand why this is not the best vehicle for you to invest in at the moment. Uh, but hopefully, you know, we'll be there. Uh, but just right now, it's not, not what's best. Okay. And so you've mentioned the word team, obviously, a couple of times today. What other pieces of the pie or pieces of the team are involved in a multifamily syndication and where you can kind of get involved, not mainly being the deal sponsor, but get involved in other ways? So to get started, is that yeah. your question? So I tell lots of people capital raising is, is a fantastic place to get started, but you got to work on building that relationship with, with some type of mentor or a deal sponsor, somebody, right? Somebody that's going to let you come in because they're doing you a big favor, even if, even if you don't get paid, but, but they'll let you bring part of part, some money to the deal. It's so worth your time. Uh, just for that experience. And I mean, they're, they're mentoring you whether they want to or not, if they let you come in the deal, you know, cause you're going to have lots of questions, right. And, and really you're, you're not providing a ton of value and you can't when you're getting started um, right away. However, you know, a, a lot of times people have networks that they've, they've either had other jobs that they've come from or other careers where they've had success, or uh, maybe they've just built relationships with lots of people in a different industry. And now, you know, when they start exposing, uh, you know, that they're in real estate and maybe some success that they've had personally, uh, you know, now other people want in. And so if they can, if they can raise some capital and be part of uh, somebody else's deals and, and really, uh, you know, hitch their horse to somebody else's wagon, right. You know, that's, that's a lot more successful or just further down the road, you know, in this, in this journey of real estate investing, uh, you know, it just really helps to get there, but capital raising, uh, but even people that are really good at underwriting, 
Uh, so I know people who have businesses that, that, that of just underwriting deals for people. And so that's, uh, there's, there's plenty of, of guys that are uh, underwriting lots of properties and, and they can't do it all. They can't underwrite all the deals. So if you, if you have a really good skill at underwriting, you're really good with numbers. You know, I would offer that skill. I would find somebody that, that you could just underwrite deals to, and I wouldn't ask for any favors. You know, I would just ask them if you could just uh, start underwriting deals for them and just to help out and start to build that relationship. Um, but uh, so either capital raising, you can start underwriting and even, maybe you have a skill where you're really good at due diligence or you maybe have a construction background and, and you just offer to walk the property for some or with somebody, you know, so, so maybe, you know, from your experience, you understand foundations or you understand roofs, you know, or you understand, you know, how the, how the costs, you know, come about, you know, or uh, there's, you have to get creative, right? And so, you know, think about ways you can provide value. Um, from your experience, uh, so you can get into the business. As a capital raiser, since you're not the lead sponsor, how much access do you have to all the information you need to make sure that it's the right deal for your investors? It's a good, a good question. And and if if you don't have access to the documents or or, um, or the information that you need to make sure that it's a good deal, then I would back away. I would I would leave that opportunity. But I'm going to, I mean, personally, I'm going to have as much, as much access as I, as I need, I mean, to the information, you know, to, about this property, you know, I'm personally going to do tours of the property or when a tour is done, I'm going to be there, you know, to tour the property and, and view the underwriting view, the, uh, what due diligence is being done. And, and, uh, you know, I, cause I, I want to make sure that I would be comfortable investing in it before I'm going to uh, present it to any investor. Got it. Okay. And so you host a podcast that, gets put out daily. And so I'm actually asking this selfishly because we are going through our launch of 31 days straight and uh, you do it daily. So how do you, how do you handle that workload? Because I understand what it's like to do that. And then why do you do it daily? So I, I get asked this so often, uh, but you know, as far as a daily show, you know, the, the key to doing a daily show is having a team just like doing a large, you know, apartment deal. And so, the, you know, I had to build a team before I ever launched a daily podcast. And so I had to make sure my team was ready to go. Everybody had specific tasks. I use virtual assistants for everything. Um, I've, I've had many uh, virtual assistants. Uh, uh, matter of fact, I've had four since the beginning, uh, since the beginning of the show. And each one of them uh, do have a different task or maybe numerous tasks that they do almost every day for the show. And so you know, I had to build that team. And then, uh, you know, I had to, I had to back up uh, almost two months worth of episodes before we launched. And I want to do that because, you know, you know, once you launch, there's going to be problems, right? You know, things are going to happen that you just cannot expect. And, and thankfully it has gone very smoothly as far as the launch and, and believe it or not doing it, you know, daily, but, but, you know, that gave us some, some time before we launched to make sure everybody knew what they were doing. And I had to create some systems. And so, you know, so that way, once we launched, if something happened, we, we also had, you know, that almost two month time period of just shows that are just waiting. Um, so we had some time to mess up or we had some time to correct and, and redirect ourselves or our team and make sure that, that we could improve. And, and, uh, but that was, that was key. Having a team, 
having systems in place so, and making sure everybody knew, knew exactly what they needed to do, just like any other business model, you know, right? Or whether it's due diligence on a property, you have people that in place know exactly what they need to do, knows exactly what their jobs are. And so no different with, you know, undertaking, a, you know, the podcast because it's definitely a ton of work. And, and I will say this before I launched, just like you and I talked, I think before you launched yours, um, you know, so many people come and ask, right, you know, or, or actually, you know, about podcasting, but, but I went to so many people as well and said, you know, tell me about podcasting, tell me about, uh, you know, you know, is, is it worth it? Is it, is it, you know, is it just as much work as what everybody says? And, and everybody said, I mean, everybody that I talked to would just express how much work it is. Oh my goodness. It's so much work. It's so much work, you know? And the, the problem was, is that they were all doing daily or weekly shows. And so, you know, then I, so that made me question it, you know, like, wait a minute, (laughs) maybe I should rethink this, you know? (laughs) And so maybe I, you know, I shouldn't do that. And, and, uh, and so then I thought, nope, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a daily show. And then, and then I was at a conference and, uh, and there's two people at this conference that everybody listening to this would know. And so I won't say their names, but you know, big names in the industry. And both of them were like, Whitney, you don't do a daily show. That's crazy. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, don't do that. And so, so to answer your question a little bit too, about why I would do it. And, and there's plenty of other reasons, but so I talked to a mentor about this and I said, you know, the, you know, everybody says it's so much work. Can I believe that? And, and, uh, and then these two other people said, you know, maybe you should re, you know, don't do that. You should, you need to rethink this. And so I was expressing that and, and a mentor said, well, that means you got to do it because, because it's too much work, you know? And so that just means that, you know, le- less people are going to do it, you know? And so, so anyway, all that to say, I just had to make a way and, and had to build a team to help me do it. Um, and so, you know, it, is it crazy? Yes, it's crazy. Uh, and is it a ton of work? Well, of course, uh, but you know, just had to find a way to make a way to make it happen. Yeah. Awesome. Congrats on that. And, you know, we took the approach of, I think, ready, fire, aim versus, um, setting everything up in advance, but it's been a good learning process for us. And I'm certainly going to reach out to you and, and get some more advice on that. Happy to help. So, uh, also while I was doing research, your bio mentions that, uh, a very important cause that is deeply personal. So can you speak a little bit more to that? Of course, of course. So my, my wife and I are in our third adoption process now, or adopting our third child. I say adoption process, my wife be like, people don't know what that means. So I try to explain adopting our third child. And so that process, and most people have no idea that to adopt a child, it can cost anywhere from forty to $60,000. And so, you know, if you've never been exposed to adoption, then, then you know, people have no way of knowing, right? Uh, but that burden, that expense, you know, leaves a lot of families that, uh, uh, I mean, that they won't do it, right? They won't commit to adoption because of this expense. Or, you know, I've heard it so many times, they'll say, Whitney, that's more than I make in a year, you know? And so that's where, you know, LifeBridge Capital wants to come in. And we've committed 50% of our profits to helping those families that are in this adoption process. And so, you know, to help, help with that burden. And so if they'll commit to adopting a child, then we want to help, with, help them through the process, uh, but also, um, uh, you know, financially. And so the, the, it's, it, it can take anywhere from, I mean, a few months to two years or longer sometimes, you know, to bring a child home. And so it is just a roller coaster and it's, it's just hard on the entire family. Um, and, and unfortunately, most of the adoption industry, not all of it, but a lot of it has very little compassion for the adoptive family. And, and so, um, you know, it's a, it's a roller coaster. But I, I will say, uh, I tell everybody it's not easy. 
but it's well worth it. And, you know, we've experienced the reward and, and we've got, you know, two young sons, you know, in our home now, you know, through adoption and, and we're extremely blessed because of it. Um, a few years ago, well, it was 2011. I'll never forget my wife and I were coming home. We'd been at, at this church. His pastor was talking about, uh, he, he, they, he, he and his wife had adopted and, um, we had never even considered it, but he talked about, you know, just their family and how they'd adopted and, and, uh, and caring for orphans and widows. And he, he was talking about that. And on our way home, my wife and I, our, the question that we had for each other was, well, why wouldn't we, or why would we not, why would we not adopt? Not why should we, but why would we not adopt? And so within a week we turned in our application to adopt from Ethiopia and we'd never even considered it before. We'd never discussed it. And, and so, and then two years to the month, our first son came home. And so, uh, from Ethiopia. And so we were, uh, anyway, our, our family has been so blessed by adoption and, uh, but that burden just of the expense just uh, hinders, you know, the 150 million orphans in the world from being adopted, unfortunately, and, and amongst many other things. But, uh, but that's one thing that, uh, that we want to be able to help with. Amazing. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. So Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, Whitney, here we go. What is the one tool that you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? Uh, CRM, no doubt. Uh, just tracking conversations and helping you, you know, know when you've communicated with people in this business, uh, the relationship business, it's, it's key. It's vital. Absolutely. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing so far and what is the main takeaway for our listeners? So the uh, biggest mistake I always go back to is the first property. I really jumped in uh, too fast. I think I wasn't educated. I mean, we learned a lot and, uh, and, but I, I just had, I didn't educate myself enough about like the, about the market specifically and about the property, uh, just doing due diligence. I trusted, um, you know, a, a home inspector too much, you know, th- you know, didn't really understand at the time. Well, I should probably find somebody that's specializes in heat and AC and, and, or maybe the roofs or, you know, things like that. And, and so anyway, uh, you know, we got through that, but honestly, my biggest takeaway is because all those things I didn't know how to do, you know, we were newly married and it, and it, uh, you know, it just hindered uh, us, you know, it, it, it consumed me. And, and so, um, you know, I would say I was, I just jumped in too premature and, uh, and it, you know, like I said, it, it just took time away from, uh, my new bride, you know, at the time, you know, and so that mentally, uh, but it was all those things, you know, just being uneducated about due diligence mostly. Okay. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? What do I need to do? <laughs> I need more systems and I need more team members, <laughs> right? I need to be able to raise more capital and, and, uh, uh, but, and that's, that's what we're working on. That's what we're working on every day. Um, so what I need to do, I just need to, I think, I think I'm doing it. I just need to, I just got to keep it going. Perfect. And lastly, where can people find out more about you? You can go to lifebridgecapital.com and uh, you can see our website. You can learn more about us there. There's a contact us page or you can subscribe. And then, uh, you can email me at Whitney at lifebridgecapital. If you want to learn more, if you have questions, um, about whatever, I'm happy to get on a call and, uh, help anybody. Perfect. Congratulations on all the success so far. And thanks for all you do in the real estate world. And more importantly, the lives you change and touch through what you and your wife do through LifeBridge Capital. So we really appreciate you being on our show. Thank you all very much. My my pleasure. Thanks, Whitney. Thanks for listening. 
To learn more about the passive income through multifamily real estate podcast and to get access to today's show notes and to previous shows, visit limitless-estates.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.